divisive issues contains language unsuitable for children, adults, and anyone who doesn't listen to spoilers. So just don't listen to this, okay? Just don't. Welcome to Divisive Issues, a comic book podcast where we talk about comic books. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. So we're finally done with our spooktacular October block of stuff. And now we're getting to the actually scary stuff, politics. (gasps) That's really the most terrifying thing of all. I mean, if you guys have been following the election... This is like the real Halloween. Yeah. So what are we reading this week? Or what di- did we read? Today, we will be we will be reading Howard the Duck, issues 7, 8, and 9 from 1976, Steve Gerber and Gene Colan's run. The the I was going to say the only run that matters, but the new one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> but uh, Steve Gerber, we did, uh, we, I mentioned uh, he did the man thing. Giant size man thing. Yeah, giant size man thing. Uh, he could put a giant size man thing inside me any day. And uh, is that when you is that when you read books you say I'm putting this inside me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I put this in my brain. I just knowledge in my brain and um, and other places. Uh, and Gene Colan is the artist. He we Colin? know him from like Colan. <laughs> Gene Colan, you know, uh, giant size man thing into my Gene Colan. <laughs> but, uh, but Gene Colan, he worked on Tomb of Dracula, and he's one of the biggest artists of the Bronze Age, the 70s, for Marvel, and I really I can't, love it. Sorry, I just can't giant-size man thing. <laughs> so before we begin, I came to a revelation while reading this comic. Uh-oh. And I, I, it's, it's basically like, there's one of two options. Either I'm dumb, or Howard the Duck is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you want to vote right here? Make a vote. Uh, I vote for Daryl. I say Daryl. Honestly, it could, I think it could be both of you. <laughs> like, uh, you're pretty dumb, but, like, Howard the Duck is really no, dumb, but, too. No, but, okay, at the risk of sounding super, like, postmodern pretentious, that's the point. It's supposed to be stupid. So, I know you said this when we were, before we read this, you're like, oh, it's like a sat- social satire. So, I was kind of interested to read this. But, honestly, reading this, this was... Maybe my least favorite thing we've read you're on this show. You're insane, Phil. It, it's... Oh, wait. I'll quote Phil. Fuck you. You're lying. <laughs> and this is an Unfunnies, Phil? The boys? Unfunnies? No. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I know those if are worse. If you say Unfunnies, you can go fuck off. <laughs> okay. Wait. All right. I know those are worse. I'm not saying this is this is worse. It was my... It was... At least Nemesis, I, I got mad about it. I got passionate about it. This, I was fucking bored and uninterested the whole time I read it. I think I might quit this podcast. Like a guy who thinks this is worse than funny. Wait, is no, I didn't say it was okay, worse. Okay. I said it's just less interesting. That's true. Now, now you're coming over to my side. We'd rather be really <laughs> awful than boring. Okay. So, just a little bit of backstory. Sly mentioned it in the giant size man thing <laughs> recommendation <laughs> that Howard the Duck showed up kind of out of nowhere in Man Thing, where he was just like stuck in. The, he comes from a universe of all ducks. And he's just like here, and he's just basically a regular guy, but a duck. But he's yeah, but he's a duck. And like it's just, tr- and we talked about him in the movie, but the movie's the movie episode, but that movie's bad, so don't 
worry about that. Also, uh, he looks like Donald Duck, like to the point that Disney later sued uh, uh, Marvel to <laughs> not use that design. Yeah, anymore. I actually couldn't stop seeing him as Donald he, Duck the whole time. He's basically Donald Duck, but with a cigar all the time, and he's angrier yeah. all the time. Yeah, so he well, Donald Duck's pretty angry. Usually. That's true. Yeah. He's an angry. Duck. So his whole run with Steve Gerber is basically him just like doing lots of bizarre bizarre things and it's supposed to be like this is just to- it shows it's supposed to show how nonsensical the real world is that this is as stupid as things that happen in real life and that's okay. that's the point <laughs> yeah uh i think it really fails to do that. i really i think <laughs> okay. it does like i, I uh, now i've <laughs> never read Howard the Duck in isolation. I read Gerber's whole run in its entirety in like a three-day shot. So I'm not I have no idea how this is in a bubble because I remember the whole run being totally out there and I loved it. Now I only kind of skimmed through it to find what issues that this story was. What how do you how do you feel sly reading it in isolation and not being the guy that's telling me I'm an asshole for liking this? <sighs> uh, um, I, I actually was trying to read uh, round uh, like from issue one onwards, but I, 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 it's tough because Phil and Daryl are way too hard on it. But I'm not a huge fan of this either, and I want to back you up, but um, I can't. But for me, it's more that this is not <laughs> this is not really my thing. Like I'm not like if you're good, if you're doing a humor book, you have to be really fucking funny for me. Like I'm usually a soulless, humorless bastard. Like I found <laughs> Alien vs Predator not funny. And me and Phil are too hard on stuff. No, but like, <laughs> I know you meant Archie, but you just said I'm a soulless, humorless bastard because I didn't find Aliens vs Predator funny. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I mean Archie vs Predator. Funny. I know, but um, that was a funny book. Like, like that's what I, I'll admit. That's what I, I don't like. It's funny because I was also shooting you guys for when we were talking about Ghostbusters, how you don't like seeing comedies. But I rarely watch comedies. I like I like things to be taking. I like I like the main characters to be take things straight generally, and like maybe some humor derived from that. But like Howard the Duck is a bit too wacky out there and not funny enough to compensate for for me. The 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 lack of humor for me was the biggest part because you know for I actually do like social political humor a lot of the time. Whether or not I agree with it, I, I usually can find it funny enough. But for this, it felt like this whole long story where they would just once in a while would make a jab at politicians and then it would be over. And it's like that's it. Doesn't well, it was not funny enough? For to, the record, to... you say whole long story. It's the politics part is really only like two issues. It's like mm-hmm. the second half of issue seven, issue eight, and the first half of issue right. nine. Okay, I mean like the arc we read. It for me was like it, for for the few jokes that were in it, I was I didn't think it was worth See, it. I never thought Howard the Duck was supposed to be like a humor book. Then what is it? It's supposed to be like just nonsense. But, like, with a point. See, you're, you're describing it as, like, an absurdist book. Like, everything's supposed to be so absurd that it's, like, it applies some commentary to our daily life. But I didn't see it like that. I just saw it as, like, absurd in the... Well, it is, like, it is making some commentary. Like, it is doing com- com- there's definitely commentary on politicians and stuff. And stuff. Uh, also, we're that's... fucking making all this commentary before we even describe what happens in the story. Yeah. People are like, what the fuck are we talking about? Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll start it and we'll we'll go along. Yeah. Page by page. Are we skipping the gingerbread man? Yeah, we can skip. No, no, no! Come on, we have, we have three issues to cover. And we take fucking five years to cover everything, and we always spend seven minutes talking. All about right, so shit. let me just say before I'm not gonna go through it, but since I'm doing the first one, uh, it's called Howard the Duck from the Oven It Rises. 
No, it's called and, the way the cookie crumbles, by the way. That's oh, just whatever. Yeah. And the whole first half of this issue is him fighting a gingerbread man and eating it to death. And I'm, like, again, I understand what you're saying, Ryan. Like, if if I was reading this in, like, the postmodernism class I took, postmodern literature, I might have a different way of viewing this. And I might be like, maybe this is some type of, like... Commentary uh, on Frankenstein? Like, <laughs> well, one I, thing I, I want to point out, too, <laughs> that especially about the gingerbread man thing, is that, like, what... Steve Gerber tries to do a lot in this whole run is kind of take the entire notion of what a comic book has to be and totally throwing it out the window. So, like, the last issue ends with them pulling back this, like, it's super dramatically revealed that there's this, like, Frankenstein monster that's going to destroy society. And they pull back the blanket, and it's a super stupid-looking gingerbread man monster. And then they're like, next issue, it'll be a giant epic fight. And then the fight's over in two pages. And, like, because he, com- he constantly, throughout the run, plays with the idea of, like, let's hype up action like you do when Doctor Doom shows up. But then it doesn't actually matter at all and is, like, totally throwaway. And to be fair, Steve Gerber's one of the first comic writers to really do that. And that's something that's mm. common now, but in okay. the 70s, it was a lot less common. Yeah, and, like, there's even an issue at the end of his run where it's totally prose. Of just him talking about his process as a writer and how he comes up with the ideas for Howard the Duck. And getting that in a comic issue in 1978 is insane. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me rephrase what I was saying before then. I I think look through a different lens, this this does have some merit. And like uh going back to what I was saying about that like postmodern stuff I've read, like I I think as a, like an early postmodern work it, it So if people aren't super nerds, what is postmodernism? <laughs> Postmodernism, postmodernism is like a, a cultural literary movement that was basically highlighting the absurdity of. Whenever you saw, whenever you saw art that was like really weird, like somebody would make, put a t-shirt on, on a canvas and like put shit on it. They say it's postmodernism. Not supposed to be pretty. It's supposed to be like make abs- have absurd stuff and like question what what is art? What is this? Like Dadaism. It deconstructs the 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 medium a lot of the time. So you'll have a book like House of Leaves, which is like sometimes literally illegible that you can't read it uh yeah the crying of lot 49 the crying of lot 49 i was gonna bring up like this this reminded me of early postmodern stuff like the crying of lot 49 where after reading it i was like okay so the point is that nothing means anything and that's it and like to me that was so unfulfilling where i guess because this is from the 70s like it it fits with that time but like there's in my opinion there's better ways to do postmodern works like something like extremely loud incredibly close is considered like a postmodern book but that had like it deconstructs the the medium and talks about how you know we like language is a, a flawed you know invention in a in a way that just that that means something at the end of it i know this caveat i make a lot when we talk about earlier comic books and older comic books but and i know that it's not fair to factor it into our opinion of this standalone arc but this was never meant to be read by itself yeah, okay, it's, that's true. Like, Steve Gerber's run is, like, the first, like, 20 or so issues of Howard the Duck. Maybe a little more. I don't remember off the top of my head. But it's, you're not, suppo- this isn't supposed to be, like, the climax of his story or, like, anything like that. It's just a stop along the way of his bigger narrative. And I'm not going to say that there's some epic converging plot lines along the line. It follows this kind of trend. But the fulfillment that you get from it isn't supposed to be the resolution of his running for president. It's it's also worth pointing out that postmodernism uh, it, uh, it might depend on your feelings on postmodern works in general. It sounds like Phil 
you you like to really uh, the, the, I'm assuming you don't like the the general postmodern writing and stuff like that. You like you liked exceptionally good quality stuff. I mean, like, like I'll I'll admit as much as I love Howard the Duck, like I would read extremely loud, and incredibly close before this. Like I got a much more emotional release from that book than this. But but if your tendencies are. Because I know Phil, like in general, has a mentality of like comics and stuff like that. Like he won't want to read it unless it's like the best, like uh, well respected, yeah. the best of the genre. <laughs> Why the fuck did you join this podcast? <laughs> that's, uh, a good that's a great question. question. <laughs> Maybe I want to. I want you guys to prove to me that nothing means anything. Yeah, you're deconstructing okay. your own views. <laughs> yeah, it was um, a postmodern experiment. <laughs> yeah. Kind of okay, so- this is why I said like either I'm dumb or the comics dumb because it's like either I didn't get what point or like what this uh what this expresses or it is just dumb. I guess I, I also was we're int- never gonna get this comic. I know. Right? Well, this last thing, this last thing, I promise. No, it's not. It's never gonna be the last thing. We're gonna fucking go back to this in the fucking page. Honestly, later. no, because honestly, we we haven't read something like this before, and like the what. When Ryan mentioned that it was like a postmodern book, I I had I wasn't thinking of it that way, and I'm like, it's so stupid. But then I'm like, it actually is trying to be really dumb, so maybe I should give it some credit. And I wonder <laughs> if you guys didn't resonate with a lot of the postmodern stuff because you're not familiar with 1970s comic tropes. That like, yeah, that yeah, it's true. very possible that it to me, especially even reading like the Man Thing issues leading up to this, like he evolves the medium, like before your eyes that if you're coming from a more modern perspective it is dated and not nearly as effective as you would hope the postmodern comic masterpiece is you know yeah so like i can definitely i can definitely see that and i because i hadn't read it in so long i kind of forgot that maybe it's not super great if you're not watching it deconstruct comic books yeah okay I uh, I will I'll I'll be I'll try to be a little bit less harsh on it because I was <laughs> a little I was more open minded. I was pretty down on this book, but it, it it's also the way you're viewing it too. So I I was pretty down on it too, but I still thought like certain parts of it were kind of better than like some of like the the early Fantastic Four, uh, DC stuff. Well, that, that shit we sucks read. too. So yeah, <laughs> if you said that that stuff was better than this, I would be so sad. <laughs> it's not. It's not too far removed from it. Ah. Oh, be still my heart. Oh my god, can we start this fucking comic? All right. Okay, so issue seven. Uh, so uh, he's a gingerbread man. Whatever. Okay. Chapter two. Get down, America. Yeah. They're in New York, half past one. They're they're in the car of Dreyfus Gulch, and he says they're asking, "Are you really Dreyfus Gulch?" And by they, I mean Howard the Duck and his girlfriend uh, Beverly. Beverly. Or Bev, as people call her. And he's in the car, a car that says DG on it. Uh, for Dreyfus Gulch, and he goes, "If my trans, oh, I can't do that." If my transportation ain't convince you, ma'am, I sure don't know what will. There we go. And uh, you know, they're just talking to this rich Southern guy or a country Western star, rather. And they're like, yeah. uh, "Why are you? What are you doing in these parts?" And he's like, "I'm here by invitation, sweetheart. Gonna sing the national anthem at the opening of the all night national convention." And they're like, "The what?" Apparently, there's another party, like the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, called the All Night Party. You get it? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and they I didn't get it. What, what is that? It's a party that goes yeah. till oh, late at night. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, like, a, like a booze party. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're having a get-together in New York to pick their presidential nominee. So, uh, very relevant to what's going on in the world right now in the U.S. And, uh, 
doesn't matter about this guy, right? <laughs> Reverend Yuck or whatever. Well, fuck yeah, they, they just... He they, dies or something. <laughs> he dies in the gingerbread man. <laughs> the house gets blown up and kills a little girl, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm skipping all this. <laughs> so, so then... Uh, it's also more funny now. These, these pages go really fast. Like, there's a lot of story in like uh, 20 pages of issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because it, like it really likes jumping around scenes. Yeah, well, there's like, it's that's there's it's almost like a sketch comedy show with no uh, like no sequiturs. Like it goes like we beat the gingerbread man, and then they're just in the car with this rich guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And so the the this guy is like, um, you know, they're like, hey, can we get a job? <laughs> and they're like. He's like, I could, uh, ordinarily, I don't like to use my powerful influence that way, but I suppose I could make an exception. And he's staring at Beverly's boobs, saying, for such an exceptional pair as you. Do you Just locker room talk to him. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just locker room talk, yeah. And, um, basically he, uh, they show up at the all-night party convention, um, and they get a room there, um, they're living in luxury, hooray, uh, Howard the Duck's taking a bath and then there's a ring at the doorbell of the or there's a knock at the door on their suite and um, the bellboy comes in with a present and I didn't understand this joke where she, she's he extends his hand out asking for, for, like, for like a tip and yeah he's asking like, for a tip and then she took his hand and starts kissing him it's like oh how rude of me mm-hmm, thank you mm-hmm. it's like really lady I, I would have settled for two bits she doesn't understand because uh, uh, she's she's not rich, I guess. She doesn't understand uh, what that means by by tipping, like that motion. Like I have a question people. about Beverly. Yeah, it's her thing that everyone knows she's attractive and wants to sleep with her. It's it's one of the big things. <laughs> okay, she's, she's drawn pretty sexily. Yeah, yeah, yeah her. And it's just like everything revolving around her is just like wanting to be with her, or like it's treating her as an object. Yeah, it yeah, it that's yeah. part of part of Bev's character is that like she's super objectified by like American society and the only person that talks to her like a person is Howard cuz he's a duck that doesn't like he he looks at her like a per- like we would look at a duck. <laughs> and like that's part of it is like the only person that gives her the respect that she like deserves and earns throughout the whole run is a duck guy. And, like, yeah, that is part of it, though, is that she is constantly objectified. Okay. And speaking of, the gift that she got from the bellboy was a hospitality girl outfit, which is just like a... She looks like one of those, you know, in the Captain America movie where they have that uh, 1940s play with Captain America, and they have those girls behind them, those star-spangled girls, yeah. dancing yeah, girls. Yeah, like pin-up yeah. style. Yeah. And, and there's a note with the gift that says, um, the mix is in the pan, just thought you'd like to know a friend. And then what what outfit does Howard the Duck get? He has a police outfit, so he's yeah. a security guard at this convention. So she's going to be a hospitality girl at the convention. He's going to be a security guard. Yep. And so they split up to go to their separate jobs. And um, I feel like I'm missing jokes or something here, but it's just, I don't... That's the thing. They make a lot of comments and jokes, and it's really hard to parse out what you're supposed to be covering. Because it's kind of like just funny quips or jabs yeah, or just mostly statements. And, you know, he's... He's going through the, uh, he's going to the security office and he's thinking to himself, such like, a weird book. <laughs> he's like, he's like, even in my world, people with, with, in uniform have a, you know, sense of power. Um, he's just thinking of all the stuff. He's like, ah, oh, they're not paying me to think. Let me go check in. And he sees the chief, the security chief, uh, with a hospitality girl on his lap. And he's like, uh, you know, obviously just like, 
uh, locker room talking her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, more than talking. I'm a busy man, ain't that right, Linda? Busy making me feel secure, Chief. And he's like, "What should I? What's my detail gonna be?" This is Howard the Duck. I don't have a good voice for him. What's my detail gonna be? <laughs> I was actually pra- I was actually practicing a Donald Duck impression, but I can't do it. <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know. I don't care. Just do something you want to do." So then he's walking down the uh, the hall, and he hears a scream, and he runs in, and he goes, "Oh, well, that didn't take forever, did it?" Well, aha, just as I suspected, a committee meeting. If this were anything but politics, that scream would have been good for murder one. And it's just, uh, it's them arguing politics, which, oh, look, it's funny because that's like, that's like a murder happening because they're screaming. And yeah. they're, they're arguing. Um... <laughs> you know, jokes are always funny when you like say them dryly and say like, yeah. all right, make, make this joke funny, Sly. <laughs> I, I find it funny, but I'm just, I'm just saying to the audience, like, don't take Phil's delivery as the gospel delivery of I think at this point we've explained enough dry jokes throughout the history of the show that like they, they get yeah, it. Yeah. So my my intention there was to say that that joke was not funny to me. <laughs> so they're just arguing like it was like ah oh, the you know the, the the one guy wants to be able to like kill their own agents. The hawkish guy is like we have to we have to do what the Ruskies do and kill our own people in the interest of national security. We need freedom to operate. And then they're like, we should never assassinate except in self-defense, which is a joke that uh, liberals are so – like you never assassinate self-defense with their pussies. And then this guy's in the middle who's like, um, you're a li- you're a animalistic con- conservative and you're a jellyfish liberal. You both fail to address the real issue. We've got to get dumb people out of intelligence. And then they, of course, ask Howard the Duck his opinion because they can't make a decision. And he's, he's deciding vote. <laughs> he's the deciding vote. We'll take anything. And he goes, the first thing you'll do is take your hands off me. Then – Answer one simple question. Any of you turkeys know anything about intelligence? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Not really. I'm a politician. <laughs> oh, what a, what a what a dated satire to say that when a not politician comes in and tries <laughs> to take over politics, people fucking eat it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, I don't know what they're trying to say. And he's like, tell the truth then. Say you don't know. But that you'll find out you can. And when you do, all you can. And when you do, the bad guys better watch out. And they all f- flip out. They're like, oh my god, this guy is so, this duck is so smart. Why? Do, well, they say, why is this guy wearing a duck suit? As yeah. if like the three, two foot tall man. <laughs> Whatever. That's a running gag that the American people refuse to like acknowledge that it's a talking I'm okay, duck. I'm okay with it. Like, I'm okay with that joke. Like, I like the, yeah. the movie where they kept changing minds over where was, whether they. T- yeah, the movie was really weird about it. But like in the in the book, they do like where they're like some people just like people that are more like woke, I guess, <laughs> are like, oh, he's a duck that talks. <laughs> like I mean, in the in like in the scope of the book, like the people that have any yeah. sense are willing to accept him at face value, where everyone else is, goes so far out of the way to justify that he fits within their worldview. I, I, I think it's a funny joke. Actually, if you guys have seen the anime Cromarty High School, uh, there's one character in there that's a mech and like a <laughs> robot. He's a robot and he wears a school uniform and everything and everyone believes that he's a, just a normal human except the main character who thinks he's, something's wrong with him. But he's like, he's like, I, I don't want to call him out on anything, but he's so obviously a robot. And, and also, if you guys saw the uh, political satire Chicken Boo, where he wears disguise like human guys, but he's not a man, he's a Chicken Boo. Uh, that's the same thing too, right, guys? Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You don't know Chicken Boo? I don't know Chicken Boo. Animaniacs? Oh, okay. Animaniacs, yeah, yeah. where the, the guy's a chicken, everyone's like, one guy's like, he's a chicken, okay, he's a chicken, everyone's like, you're crazy, he's our, he's our, our president. Yeah. Like, uh... yeah, no, I know exactly what you're Or uh, Octodad. Yeah, Octodad too. <laughs> yeah, so this is a thing that we've seen time and time again in classic examples of literature. 
class in literature, like Octodad. Yeah, like Octodad. And, and Cromarty High School. All right. So, and Bojack. Um, <laughs> Bojack Horseman. Um, so, you know, they meet up again later, Beverly and Howard the Duck, and she's like, I don't think I can sit, Ducky. My poor bottom has been pinched within an inch of its life. And they're like, ha-ha, the locker room talk, uh, locker room pinching. <laughs> and uh, then... They're, they get another note from their mysterious friend, and he says, The ice cream's on the cake. Just thought you'd like to know a friend. And um, ha- uh, Beverly's like, I don't think Galtz wrote this note, the southern guy. And he's like, The spelling is better than you'd expect. Uh, what do we care? And so we, ha- we have some kind of underlying plot going on. Then we go back to the co- committee room floor. I don't know. People are fighting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they break up into a big fight because, like, one party wasn't honoring the backdoor dealings of the other party or something. And, you know, like, we was, we, we said we would support wall drop, but there we promised to half our votes to wall drop with an A instead of with an O. Wall drop, like, wall drop. Wall drop, wall drop. It's, some, it's the it's, same person. The point is yeah. that it's the same yeah. person being propped up by yeah. different parties. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he Howard the Duck solves it because he's a, he's a straight shooter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Tells it like and, it is. Uh, he's not PC. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, then Galtz shows up, the southern guy, and he's like, "How's things going for you in that? Lo- I can't, I can't fucking do a southern accent." <laughs> uh, <laughs> How's things going for you and the luscious lady? And he's like, "Swell, Galtz, real peachy. Look, I'm supposed to be guarding this asylum, not chatting. What's on your alleged mind? Don't get riled up now. I'll just invite you out of town. Me and some of the party bigwigs tonight." And then Howard's like, because you like my style, huh? Well, he's mocking his southern accent. I love how Phil can't do a, a southern uh, accent unless he's doing it in his Howard Duck voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they go to a fucking party, and it's even sleazier than the convention. And um, uh, he gets, I don't know, they're all just getting wasted. And they get to check, and um, it says, it's all in the oven. Just thought you'd like to know a friend. And this guy's like, sounds like somebody's making bake Alaska more than plotting anything sinister. But then he realizes, like, epiphany, like, oh, it would be something else. And he starts flying towards the security office. Right. And he's like, it's a euphemism for a bomb. Oh, no. Obama. He tries to get, he tries to get the chief up, and the chief's like, <laughs> I don't care. Um, he's still with the... There's three other ladies in there. And he runs to the to the floor, and um, Waldrop, with an O, is there. And uh, there's a bomb in the Alaska sign. Um and he's like, I should just let him die. And he's like, ah, who am I kidding? I can't knowingly even let a politician die. Um, he can't even see what's happening. And he basically jumps uh onto the Alaska bomb and throws it into a cake. He, he grabs the sign, yeah, and he puts it into the bicentennial birthday cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and blows like, up like, uh, again. Some more quips like he's too mesmerized by the sound of his own banalities. Uh, <laughs> 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 um. And as the bomb blows up, um, the, this is kind of a little bit funny. Waldrop's at, finishing his speech here, and he's like, uh, and then when push comes to shove my fellow Americans and the bomb goes off, and he goes, I quit. Sorry, the job's too dangerous. Good luck. Good day. And he leaves. Yeah. Um, and then the all-night all Ameri- the party is like, The all-American all-night party. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't lose us a candidate. You exposed them. We want a man in the White House, Howie boy. We want you, hero. And he's like, huh? And they're like, how about it? Y'all available for a draft? And we want the duck. Yeah, and then, and then someone is angry in the corner. It looks kind of like that bellboy from before. Spoilers. It's not spoilers. <laughs> if, if you're paying attention, yeah. you know this. <laughs> and that's the first issue. All right. So before we start the second issue, I just I want to do want to say that look, it sounds really stupid, but looking at this 
through a different lens, trying to have a different attitude on it, I am enjoying it a lot more. When I when I'm trying to think, it's okay that it's fucking stupid. It's trying to be fucking stupid. I'm I'm more okay with it. I'm kind of yes. the same way. Like I I can like the fact that not already was framed in like post more postmodern way. I kind of get it more. Yeah, I have not. It's, it sounds really stupid. To say, I hope but. that it's like an emperor, new, an emperor's new clothes scenario. And for some reason, I'm the smart one this time, and you guys are just trying to not sound like idiots. <laughs> I, I have not changed my opinion on it. Or it is actually literally emperor's new clothes, and Daryl's right, and we're all wrong. <laughs> you, you can say something that's where it's like, oh, it is trying to deconstruct it, but looking back through, I'm like, wow, this was not like fun to read at all. Well, that's that's something that I think is true for a lot of postmodern works, and like I will say that some of them, you read them, they're really unenjoyable to read. And afterwards, you can when you sit down again. I'm referring to this post fucking postmodern literature class I had. But when, when you sit down and talk about it, you're like, actually, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Still sucks to read though. Like, that's, like, that's, why, that's why I was like, the, that's why I was like the question, like, do you regret reading this? Because a lot of things aren't necessarily enjoyable to read, but you feel like you gain something when you think, reflect on them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I've read, like when I read Kerouac's On the Road in high school, I hated it, and like the second half of it was impossible for me to get through. And then I finally finished, and I was like, I'm really glad I read that. So yes. would you continue to read Howard the Duck? I mean, no. I did. No, I I, I'm not talking to you. I, I honestly kind of would after uh, now that I've got the frame on it. But I, I'm not. I'm the type of person that will read this anyway, just because I like the history of it. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's like the opinion I was having. Where it's like, I guess you could say these things about this, but still, like, this isn't raising my enjoyment of it. Yeah, it might like wiggle what I think of its quality is. Like, I, I think the the writer is pretty smart. At least, like, from his writing alone and everything. Well, well, that's that, that's a good point. And, like, uh, it's one of those things I think you're saying that it's, it's, it's not, it's not bad, but it's still not fun to read. I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. So, at this point, there is a, like, big special annual issue of the Marvel Treasury Edition 12 that is just Howard the Duck teaming up with the Defenders, but it super doesn't matter at all. So we're just going to skip to right uh, now. He meets Doctor Strange. That yeah. sounds pretty important to me. That's all that matters. <laughs> I do want to say this cover is pretty great, though, where it's there's a newspaper that he's busting through, and it says, Carter yells foul. Yeah, that, that's a good And point. assassination attempt defended by gunmen. <laughs> I thought he was in season, explains Prisoner. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty fucking good. <laughs> all right, so this uh, opens with Howard shaking hands with Doctor Strange and the sight of crosshairs. <laughs> It says, he waddles blindly into the world of harsh political reality. It's a reality circumscribed by the view through a telescopic sight, an existence led at the intersection of crosshairs. For along with power, riches, fame, and free franking privileges, the man or fowl who seeks the White House also courts death. And then in parentheses, so what else is new? Uh, I think I enjoy this book more when it's through the mouth of, like, a cheesy stand-up comedian. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I know we've just been beating this to death, but, like, I still don't, I still hate reading this, but, <laughs> uh, but like, I can, like, I can tolerate it. It's, it's, it's how you said when you said I still hate reading this. I can I know you, so I know you really earnestly. Meant that. <laughs> <laughs> I still hate reading this. Okay, so so it goes with uh, Bev and Howard are walking down the street, and they haven't been back to the convention since he was nominated as their leader, and uh, they hear like a shot. A guy falls. And Howard says, "Oh, it's just some slob who fell off the roof with a with a rifle." <laughs> yeah. 
And then uh, he points out that there's another gunman on the roof heading over east across the rooftop. So guess what direction we're taking? It starts with W. (laughs) (laughs) There's multiple gunmen all trying to kill Howard. Yeah, Yeah, but they start killing each other here. So like the one the one who fell off the roof got shot by another assassin because they're all trying to get the bounty, I guess. Yeah, because they're trying to assassinate him. Yeah, ten million ten million dollar bounty on his head. One of the gunmen is like, I'm walking away from this. And the other's like, see ya. Not if I see you first. And they, they turn around and start shooting at each other. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, out of nowhere, fucking Dreyfus Dreyfus Gulch, Gulch <laughs> pulls up. And he, hurry, y'all. My bulletproof glass will protect you. It's been tested by North Carolina women. You see that? Dal can do a good separate voice, Phil. Yeah. Why can't you? Yeah. <laughs> because I can do something. Why can't Phil? <laughs> Like, Good am point. I that low of a bar? Dal can make comic books and draw and write and make music. Why can't you, Phil? You that's, suck. That's true. You're right. <laughs> so then um, a bunch of guys come out and start shooting them. One from, like, out of a trash can. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and they're, all, they're all waiting for him. Yep. He, they ask, like, why have they been shooting me? It's like, uh, it's because all them political promises you've been making. And he's like, what well, promises? I haven't. He's like, nah, but your ad agency has. Come on. Their office is right upstairs. Super PACs. <laughs> yep. So then they meet the ad agency. And it's just like, Howard for president. Stand up America. Vote Howard the Duck in 76. And he's like, I can't believe it. Who's warp mind is responsible for this hokum? And he goes in to see this guy. He's in a conference just right now, says, like, the secretary about the duck campaign. Won't you take a seat? And he's like, wah, lady, I'm a blasted duck. I'm the candidate. I want some say in what I say, you know? And then all these guys come in to grab Howard. They're like the security force that she calls. This section, and they talk about, like, Howard's assassination quotient is up by highest is up by far the highest compared to Ford and Carter. An unprecedented 7.97. They're like, wow, that's great. It means people care about what he's saying. Yeah, Bev, Bev's like, that's good? And she's like, that's great, yeah. Yeah, it means people care. The most unrealistic part of this whole comic is not the duck part, it's the fact that people give a shit about third-party candidates. <laughs> <laughs> that's very yeah, but true. He came out of nowhere, and he's just so inspiring with his... He tells it like it is. Yeah. But he doesn't know what Aleppo is, though. So that's... <laughs> Today's candidate doesn't think Bev. He recites nice, safe, pre-tested, bromidic bombast like this. Yeah, they're trying to give him a big speech book, and they're like, he can never say... Until November, he can't say any words except what's in this book. Yeah, and then Howard comes out dressed like a candidate, and he's like, you know what? Screw this. And... He bites the guy in the nose with his fake teeth that they give him. Yep. Yeah, and they're like, ooh, the sex appeal. <laughs> they're like, we're going to write all your speeches from now on. And of course, you know, being the straight shooter he is, he's like, I don't need any of this. Yeah, and so they... he just walks out and they say, you're committing political suicide. You're a third-party candidate and a duck. You expect to surmount <laughs> those image problems alone? That's a pretty good joke. Another another shot at politicians where he's like, you figure every candidate goes to this debasement? And she's like, nah, by the time most of them get this far, humility and compromise comes easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, politicians. Then they get another ad agency. And... Mad genius associates. Yeah, then Walter Klondike <laughs> gives a report. Come on, you don't think Walter Klondike is funny? I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Daryl is so just like defeated. <laughs> no, I'm. Just, it's I'm experiencing Phil's problem where I'm like, what do I like? What do I parse from this? Yeah, no. Re- 
uh, summarizing these, this is one of the hardest ones. Yeah, it's like, what jokes do I pull out, or what, like, what do I explain? Because so much, when nothing matters in the end of it, you're like, do I need to cover this? Like, him getting thrown out by his own super pack. It's like, it's, it's such a small part, and that doesn't get brought up again, so. When we summarize, we're always trying to pick out the stuff that matters, but it's impossible with this. Yeah, It's all just, like, nonsense. Yeah, it's like the Don Blake stuff Thor. Although, <laughs> although this is meaningfully not mattering. Was, yeah, Don well, Blake was unfortunately actually didn't matter. Walter Klondike is basically saying like his campaign began auspiciously enough, just a soapbox and plain talk. Yet his demeanor, his raw throaty voice, his relentless candor set him apart at once. In the words of one astonished listener, "My God, he's telling the truth. He'll be dead in a week." <laughs> why a duck? You ask. I say, why not a duck? You've had turkeys running this country for two hundred years. I'm going to run an activist campaign. Even the bozos who just look at the pictures will know what I stand for. To the surprise of a jaded citizenry, this curious little creature kept his promise, beginning with a visual statement on pollution. And he starts dumping uh, cans at a can. Yeah, non-returnable containers back to the places they were made. Yeah, so he's just like dumping garbage all over like the polluting factories. Yeah, he puts parents on a bus. (laughs) Yeah, that he's saying, like, parents are yelling at their kids so much that and, like, interfering with their education and not letting teachers do their job. Yeah, I think it's a helicopter parenting criticism. Yeah, so which I didn't realize that was a concern in the 70s. Yeah. I thought that was, like, a new thing, but, you know. It's probably just gotten worse, but. Yeah, so there's people that all the big generals that are fighting for a bigger Mm -hmm. military budget for, like, no reason, he's like, fine, then you guys can make your sacrifices. So instead of big barracks, we're going to cut your housing. We'll give you super great weapons, but you're going to have to live in caves then. <laughs> It'll suit your temperament. It's at Fort Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah. I actually I actually really, I really liked uh, here where um, his opponents talk, which are... Yeah. Uh, Ford and Carter. Ford and Carter, and their responses are great. Yeah, so Carter's are... I can't do a Carter impression. Our foul may find that even forthrightness carried to its extreme may be deleterious in the long view. Maybe not, though. <laughs> I love what Ford says, though. I have no idea what Ford sounds like. <laughs> I uh, am not quite certain how to interpret or respond to this duck's theatrics, but if it's supposed to be funny, I don't get the joke. Is it dirty or what? <laughs> that's that's He's Daryl of the show. He's like, I just don't get it. <laughs> And a bunch of people are wearing the pins that they said you could buy in the last issue. Yeah, get down America, vote Harold the Duck in seventy six. And I'm pretty sure they actually made these pins, and you could like write in and get them for like a dime. Yeah, or... they they had an uh, a address. Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm actually really liking this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got to be super neat. Your experience, what I I had with Nemesis, where yeah. I'm like, actually, this is amazing. And then they pull up the polls, and 48% want him dead, 30% want to vote for him, and 22% are undecided. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Yeah. To have half the population want you dead. I love that in this story, Carter and Ford are non-entities. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. So Bev's walking through a park, and she's all mad because howard's been focusing on the campaign and kind of ignoring her yeah life used to be so simple before politics before fame before ducks used to be so simple jeez and she's looking at a duck in the in the, in the pond and she's yeah, like i wish but... howard was like that no i can think about are the polls the gmp the rate of inflation the and then someone behind her it's the bellboy yep and he's like oh sorry i didn't mean to startle you i just wanted to feed the ducks and think you know i come here a lot and she's like she's like Shit. 
Yeah, I, I overreacted. See, I have fun with the ducks, and he says, oh, I will. I really love that ducks. In fact, and then he grabs one by the throat and says, I make it a point to throttle one every day. So that bellboy's bad. Bad news. Yeah. Well, he just hates ducks. Bad bellboy. He bell hates boy. ducks. That makes him bad. That's true. Hating ducks, you can't be a good person to hate ducks. If, if you strangle a duck, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, sure. that's true. That's true. Unless you, like, you're starving. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so then it's uh, Trey Gulch's place, <laughs> and he's sitting there with the banjo while Howard sits on a horse. And I like how his ranch is like, it's like they're representing all the powerful interests here, and there's guys with like machine guns outside. Yeah, Tommy guns. Yeah. And they're like, we can make it worth your while to be supportive of us, too. And he's like, in other words, you yo-yos want to do business. I veto a bill, then bill you for a couple hundred grand, right? And they're like, well, of course, there's no need to talk figures just yet. And he's like, Psst, I suppose you know I've been running as a people's candidate. Clean government with no waxy yellow buildup and all that. Gotta have a line to get elected, I guess. Well, suppose I told you I don't care if I'm elected. That I'd rather lose than sell out to you oily guys with steel brains and exhaust pipe mouths, huh? And then they say, in that case, Mr. Duck, we have nothing more to discuss. You'll yeah. have to kiss a lot of babies you know, to countervail the damage you've done to yourself. So he, he stands up to special interests. Yeah. And then they, all the special interests, spend the next rest of the issue trying to kill him. Yeah. In in ways that are related to their own industry. He And this is where he does an interview that's like just like a text dump on the page. Yeah, half of it's text and the bottom half is like everyone taking pictures and looking at Howard the Duck giving. And this is actually speech. my favorite part of the whole story, but it's way too long for me to just read. <laughs> I actually didn't even I didn't even read this. I didn't notice. Oh, it. what? I was like this is an ad. <laughs> I did because I'm like I remember Ryan said to read something or something. <laughs> so I was just It's always a funny thing cuz like I always feel like I'm I'm like a baby because whenever I see a, like in Watchmen when you see big text dumps in a page, I'm like, I don't want to read this. I want to just look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> uh, also, though, would you I, guys yell at me for not liking <laughs> Claremont's X? I, I, it's not. I didn't think. I didn't. Honestly, did not realize this was like part of it. I thought it was an ad in the middle. Like they show up sometimes ads. Yeah. I just. I. I used. To, when I'm used to seeing a page that looks different and just skimming past. Am I gonna have to fucking read this to make you listen to it, Bill? <laughs> Can you sum it up? Because I. I don't. I don't remember what he said. It's. It's basically just like him. It's it's keeping with the theme of him just totally transcending like what politics as usual are. So like they talk about he talks about like abstinence education and like they or like just like sex in the media and like well what do you think about like recent Washington scandals? Should elected officials be held accountable for their private morality? And he's like nah, as long as the taxpayers aren't financing their little romps, senators and congressmen deserve to have a little fun. Heck, we ought to be heartened to know some of those old prunes still got it in them. And then they're like, well, how do you feel about violence in movies, TV, and comic books? And he says, he's, I'm all for it. What? As long as it's never presented as cathartic, as a release, as a solution, a kid ought to know what he's getting into if he's contemplating stabbing or shooting somebody. It's messy. The blood gets all over the floor. It smells bad. It's ugly to look at. I think violence should be presented honestly, as disgustingly, as offensively as possible. There's no such thing as tasteful violence. And, like, other things like that. He talks about the draft, like, yeah. where he's basically, like, breaking down... Like, you don't need talking points. You don't need spin. Just say the thing. And that, that is an interesting point, too, because I've always thought the fact that, like, I think cartoony violence can often be worse for kids than, like... I agree, of, too. A lot of the gritty violence you get in shows now, like, they're, like, it's you have to, like, look away, and it's so cringy, and people are like, oh, man, the culture's so gory. 
but it really it makes you feel sick in the way it should when you kill someone. Like I agree. it shouldn't be like, aha, you slit, I sliced him in half, and it's funny. And like he even says things like, "You wonder why you got violence? Why you're young or either dissident, empty-headed, or drugged into a stupor? It's because you fashioned an emotionally sterile culture. That's why. If an individual is unwilling to spend his life in the plotting pursuit of possessions, there's nothing for him to do. The U.S. is one big dateless Saturday night. If I'm elected, I'm going to inject a little life back into you, anesthetized Americans. For four years, this country's going to get down and boogie. See? And, like, it's ridiculous, but, you know, it's... I find it fascinating. Yeah, it is interesting. And I, I, I think the fact that I didn't notice that this was even part of a comic, because it's a, it's a partial transcript, and, it, like, it looks different, is in keeping with that whole, like, um, postmodern, like, uh, breakdown of the medium type thing. Yeah. Where you, you do very different things with the text itself. Yeah. I, I thought it was... It's kind of strange to get like a mouthpiece almost from the writer himself just for that huge section. That's what this whole. I mean, Howard. Yeah, I guess that's the whole story, though. That's the whole point of the character. Is it Steve Gerber's mouthpiece? He's the original Brian from Family Guy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, like Steve Gerber even explicitly says, like in that issue I mentioned before about how he goes through his writing process and everything, he explicitly says, like, I am Howard. That's the point you know and like it is jarring when it's you don't expect that to come from fucking howard the duck but like that's why i I wanted to do this story because like that's such a ridiculous thing i i I, i'm interested i mean i mean i think i'm interesting yeah yeah you're interesting guy phil (laughs) i agree phil you are i I i would say it's probably the most interesting part of the story but it's not like it it works as like a text dump just from the author himself. It's just like I looked back at in the at the very end of the last issue, they do the same thing before they advertise for buying the pins where they they dump like uh they it's just like questions that were asked to Howard or what he does with like uh what he's doing with a nuclear plant that's trying to be built. And it was like it was kinda interesting, but at the same time, like I was kinda just reading this like weird made up interview. That was loosely related to the comic. I, I could see that. Like could, it, it doesn't work to the medium's strengths. I think you can see, like we say, I can see that, Ryan. I think all of Daryl's points about gets his comic, you can see because, like we said, it's a matter of perspective. Yeah, like, I mean, like it's definitely like valid, like, like uh, to compare it to a lot of older comics, like in the golden age in the '30s and '40s, there would be these text pages because if you had two pages of text, you can get shipping discounts as a magazine. Yeah. And like usually, <laughs> I like I hate those. I have read probably like 500 of them, and they are all garbage. There's not a single one worth reading. Mm-hmm. And like, I it always super takes me out of it. And like even in a book like Watchmen, like the first time I read it, I read all the text dumps, and they enhance it a lot. But every time I reread it, I skip them. Because they really pull me out of it. So I definitely understand. I love the politics here. So I can understand. Like, I, I ate it up. But it's not... It, it. I can see it definitely pulling you out of it. And it's like, oh, it, this is very soapboxy. And it's very, like... Mm-hmm. Why are you just dumping this instead of showing it through the plot? But, you know, if you wanted to wrap this up in 40 pages, I, I, I get it. Yeah. So so then after we, we after we get those really like a uh, salient and clear points we get Howard the duck goes to kiss a baby but it's a doll and it's an explosive doll that gets thrown <laughs> at him <laughs> and then it it blows him uh across it to somewhere him. <laughs> to somewhere else where steel girder starts to fall on him so now there's 
just like things happening where he's almost dying all the time and Bev comes and it, up. And it's all it's all the industries that he's shunned before. So it's like the steel manu- the steel <laughs> industry has fallen him. The baby manufacturers. <laughs> yep. Someone uh And then a driverless car comes down an alleyway and crashes through a yeah, wall trying to hit the him. automobile industry. Google went out of control again. And then he's like, "We've we've survived three major industries." And then this guy's like, "Can I help you? Fill her up." And he starts to spray. He's, gas. he's at a gas station, so he just sprays him with gasoline. And then he tries to throw a cigarette on. <laughs> but Howard makes him drink the gasoline instead. Uh, and they and... get home, and then uh, Gulch says, "Press was hard on you. Well, hate to tell you." But there's bad news. Take a gander at this, duck. Get it, gander? Oh, yeah, yeah it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, no, how, how could they? And it says, the newspaper says, Scandal plucks duck. Pulser says he's finished. And it's a picture of him in a bubble bath with Bev together. It's actually yeah. obviously a doctored photo because there's yeah. a seam in the middle of the page. Yeah, um, it's so obvious. But, like, that's the point. It's so yeah. obvious that they took a picture of Bev in the, uh, in the tub and a picture of Howard in the tub they put them together. Yeah. Even though, like, Howard and Bev do, like, sleep in the same bed and stuff. And then the next issue, at the bottom, it teases the next issue. It's called The Bite of the Beaver. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh... All right, so issue nine, and kind of, sort of, the final issue. It's not only about politics, really, but it's about the finale to what happened here. Uh, Howard Duck issue nine, uh, and the cover is Howard Duck fighting a man-sized beaver, and a giant size, giant size man thing. <laughs> giant size, giant size beaver thing. Uh, you know, you know, you have, you have to have your giant size man thing to go inside the beaver, right? Good one, Ty. <laughs> Good one. Just locker room talk, guys. And this is this is such a funny thing because the cover is Howard on a type a, a tight wire, about to tight like rope. Yeah, like a like a rope. Getting like it's not like a rope. It is a rope. yeah. It's basically a rope. <laughs> it is a rope. <laughs> and, and there's this giant no, beaver monster about to attack him. And then the first page is a newspaper of Howard in a bathtub with a woman. And like yeah. that dichotomy is just I. I would love to have seen someone just pick this up and be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so uh, the, the uh, bellboy talking for a French guy. And uh, a French guy, it's very clearly a yeah. I thought we settled that to you. This is also America, non? Uh, and then your dear beloved brother, but uh, the... <laughs> so yeah, you have to say what Russian. happened to the brother. Yeah. I will, I am going to say it. So the bellboy is just like, I think this was like my second favorite part. Oh, yeah, I almost <laughs> forgot my brother Tommy, the only American killed in Vietnam by a duck. He was an anti aircraft gunner. Tommy was bravest man I knew. He tra- he sighted a Charlie Meg overhead. He fired, but he missed and hit a wild duck instead. Then uh, down spun the dirty commie foul <laughs> in the spectacular death dive from hundreds of feet in the air. Only to land on a Viet Cong landmine six inches from Tommy's face. Boom. And that's uh, something that happened. I've hated ducks ever since. To let one be elected president of the country Tommy died for. Yeah, that's why I did it. But what about you? You're not American. Why do you do it? Oh, just for giggles. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, as he's explaining it, each of the panels, it's it's him emoting like... Uh, physically doing the actions of like what happened like the the guns firing and the plane crashing down with his own hands it's yeah. just it's very it's cool yeah 
So then, uh, at the back at Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump's, yeah, back at Howard the Duck. Sly, wow. <laughs> back at Howard the Duck. I just love the idea that he's like, I won't let one of them become president. And like, it's a duck man. <laughs> I won't let them into our country. Yeah. But, but uh, Howard the Duck is at his, uh, you know, the all night place. The headquarters. Headquarters. And it's already after the election, they really lost. Could you imagine a world where a, a crazy populist tell it like it is candidate was taken down by one media scandal? <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's why I was like, this isn't like Russian stuff because <laughs> of that. I'm like, yeah, just one. And it's like an affair or something was all that could do it. And it wasn't even an affair. It's his girlfriend. Yeah, he's unmarried. <laughs> yeah, they're both single. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so Howard is just like, eh, what's the difference does it make? I mean, it's not like I thirsted after after presidency. I just want a, a project to occupy my time to November. But Bev's like, what about my reputation? You know how long I've and hard I've worked to convince everybody in Cleveland I was a good girl. <laughs> but the guy, uh, an all night club, all night party guy, whatever his name is, Dutch something. Yeah, he's just Dutch. like uh, Glyphus. Dreyfus Gulch. Dreyfus Gulch. <laughs> Gulch is just like, uh, we know who uh, set you up as a bellboy. We want you uh, to go to Canada and get him for us. And uh, Howard Duck's like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, you have to for some reason. I forget why. Uh, uh, he's like, uh... I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Every, everyone's trying to explain what happens and all. It doesn't really matter. Basically, whatever convoluted events, uh, Howard has to go do it personally to get the... Because uh, I think they spend all the money on him, and he says, now you have to pay it off somehow, whatever. But Basically, then... he says, like, we found out it was the bellboy. You have to do it. And he keeps being like, I don't want to do it. This is fucking stupid. And they're like, mm-hmm. you have to. And he's like, I really don't want to. And then they're like, too bad. And he's like, he says, this, this blame, scandal, scratch, whole, all my part, not just you. And Bev says, don't forget me. I'm tainted, too. Oh, she says, I, I won't be with you anymore if you don't do it. Yeah, but, oh, like, okay. uh, but just to confide into the idea we had before about... Um, like Bev's role in this in this comic and how people view her, like the idea that like, she's tainted and like she she wants to have her reputation preserved and shit like that. But then they go on the plane to fly to Canada, and but turns out the guy who was holding the plane for him, waiting outside, was actually the bellboy, and he traps mm-hmm. them in the plane and says, "All right, suckers!" And he turns out. You put a transmitter in the plane to take it over. This this is something that really pissed me off too when I was first reading because I was trying to take this like too too much. Like why like why would this happen? Where he has a remote control for the plane, so he's like, haha, I can kill them now. But he flies them all the way to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't crash them. He like he he's like seven hours and forty four minutes later, he's just like wonkily flying through the air with them <laughs> yeah. all the way into Canada, and then. He crash lands with them, and as as they're flying to Canada, they receive a, a Mountie, and he says, "I say, from the sound <laughs> of it, chaps, I'd wager that crap's in trouble. Let's have a look, sh- shall we, old fellow? Giddy up!" He says that to his horse, but then his horse just kicks him off <laughs> and rides off about him, <laughs> but, which is pretty funny. Actually. And the the dog starts raffling. Yeah, yeah. The dog's laughing. <laughs> Again, we're going into this whole like uh, uh, trope <laughs> deconstruction here. Where uh, give me a second, guys. No. <laughs> no. He fell. You <laughs> tell <laughs> 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 guys. Alright, sorry. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out in editing. Slide your so. on, your, <laughs> on your doom zone we're gonna put. Give me a second, guys. <laughs> 
you'll, anyway. Yeah, you'll, you'll find I out. I think later. this is what happens when we record like four hours past when we're supposed to. So, <laughs> past my bedtime, guys. So, yeah. so, so this Mountie gets, I think, uh, going back to this whole postmodern idea of like um, deconstructionism, like you have, they, they present you with a trope and then they just make it a joke immediately where it's like, here's the Mountie and his loyal horse and the horse just kicks him and says, see ya. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's it, I, I can appreciate this more now. Before I was just like, why is this like? Why did he fall off his horse? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the plane crashes and the Mountie reaches them, and uh, Bev is kind of like entranced by him because he's like this big heroic Mountie, and uh, so like uh, he takes him back to his place, and uh, he said he explains that uh, uh, from what you told me, I deduce your victims of the infamous Pierre Dentin. Fris, Denton Fris, I don't know how to pronounce that. Ken is only a super patriot. I bet it has something to do with, since he's a beaver man, like Denton is probably teeth, teeth yeah. like big teeth or something, yeah. I, yeah. I bet. He's like, how do you know that? This modest operandi, mom. Pierre always loses bellboys and robot planes. That's my favorite line from this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just the idea of this guy, like, those are the two things he uses. <laughs> yeah. And basically they ask, like, why is he doing this? He's like, he's, he's a super patriot. He loves uh, Canada. <laughs> loves Canada. <laughs> and, uh, they're, and Howard's like, but we got to nail the bum or not? And uh, Mountie says, I beg your pardon, sir. The Mounties always get their man. Bev says, really? Always? The cops back home can't even catch a cold. Yeah. <laughs> so they go out and uh, go on horseback uh, looking for Pierre Dentonfree. Dentrophis. Dentrophis. Uh, Canada's only super patriot. Ho, ho. He has a big uh, sign on his house that has his name and Canada's only super patriot on it. Yeah. Yep. And he's just <laughs> sitting on the porch. And, yeah. um... Sacre bleu. Best on Dudley off the Mounties. And, uh, Dudley... Is he actually Dudley Durant? Oh, I guess he is. He's Dudley Durant. <laughs> so he's like, you see, I told you he couldn't have me for long. And, and, uh, Bev's like, gee, that's amazing. And Howard's just like, no offense, touched, but you're too easily impressed. Like even like like Phil said with the tropes, he's like, we can find him. We're the best. And there's a giant sign that's like, I live here. And Ben's yeah. just like, wow, you guys are so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and basically, he's like a guy in a wheelchair. He's like an old, uh, decrepit old guy in a wheelchair. And Doug uh, writes, I want you to meet our friends of mine, Pierre, uh, from south of the border. Americans, they wish a billboy would drop luggage on your heads. I wish you would die in the crash of a robot plane. I despise you. Be careful, young man. You'll incriminate yourself. <laughs> young man. He's like a hundred. Yeah, and... Uh, this geezer, are you serious? He couldn't hurt a gnat. Yeah, Howard says that, and the guy says, I would if I were American, not Doki. I was once a powerful man in Canada, a hotel in Erlad Magnet. I loved Canada, and... The way you barbarians invaded us, polluted us. If you end us, you're so called quarter. His origin is amazing. Uh, so basically, um, not basically. I turned, I turned my resources <laughs> to dairy plant to teach you how to fool's lesson. I lifted a million beavers to construct a dam across Niagara. To make it fall the other way. And there's a, just, uh, the panel is a, tr- a plane dropping thousands of beavers. <laughs> yeah. But then it turns out that the Americans start dropping bombs on him and, and, and they start, they tried to kill him. He says yep. the American military wouldn't let a Canadian more than a moment of national pride. Yeah. <laughs> it all happened back in February. I was killed very hush hush, of course. But since then, I've aged uh, nearly 73 years and lost use of all my, all my limbs except the I teeth. I love that turning Russian. And I just, I love that this just happened. It's November, it happened in February, and he's really old now for no reason. <laughs> 
Was it yeah. this year? Yeah, he's, I think that's in He says, it all happened back in February. It was kept hush-hush, of course. Since then, I've aged oh, nearly yeah. 73 years and lost the use of all my limbs except my teeth. <laughs> and they're, they're like, um, Bevan, Haberborn, leave. And uh, the mountain's like, don't you want my help? And they're all like, uh, they're like, nah, this is, that guy's just crazy. And we need some sleep. Let's get out of here. And uh, the bellboy meets the uh, French guy again after they leave. And um, the bellboy's like, let me kill him again, please, I beg you. It says, naturally. But since you bungles the robot plane, I suggest you employ more complex, subtle means this time. And it's the least subtle thing. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, a guy, he dresses up in the uh, Uncle Sam outfit and sneaks into their bedroom. With a hatchet. Yeah, with a hatchet. And yells at them so they wake up. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you reality, fool. The American dream come true, an eye for an eye, a duck for a brother. <laughs> and as he's trying to kill them, uh, Dudley's dog starts biting him. Yeah. And he's like, you can't stop me. I have the strength of ten. For I'm hate crazed, Madden. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! As the dog bites him. Then uh, Dolly the, the Duray shows up, and um, they they reveal that the bellboy was Uncle Sam. But then, uh, uh, as uh, Dudley uh, takes uh, the guy away, uh, Bev gets taken away by beavers while yep. Dolly's looking. <laughs> yep. And uh, so then uh, Howard follows them to Niagara Falls. Can I just say I was I was reading this issue while watching the presidential debate, and I was just like, "Well, as you're wa- watching reading this, you're like, this is so politically poignant." <laughs> yeah, you're like, "This is exactly what's happening." Right this is now. why we need a border wall to protect us from the beavers. And, and, and <laughs> I I was reading this thinking like how like shitty of a political commentary this was, and, <laughs> and then this happens, and then yeah, <laughs> slowly he turns. He goes to the Niagara Falls and Monsieur Duck. And it's the guy uh, wearing a giant beaver costume, and but it's like it's the parts of it are metallic, so it's a beaver mech more yeah, or less. Yeah. yeah, exosuit. He says it's a beaver mech exosuit. Yes, and he says, "Who uh, thought I was the helpless creeple? The way, oh, you Americans think of Canada itself. <laughs> well, it is not right. I am the beaver." <laughs> <laughs> And so then uh, he gets on the type rope and starts walking towards Harold. And he keeps using French origin words yeah. uh, constantly that are English borrow words. Yeah. To like... uh, so ask yourself, what has this to do with American presidential elections, non? And Howard's like, well, yeah, the question did cross my mind. It has to do with shadows, the gi. Canada's wilted in America's shadow for too long. Uh, we have watched food squandered your natural resources, waited fear for your appetite to turn northward when your own territory was gutted. And basically he set up everything so that way Canada connects the United States after America was Yeah, because he wanted to offer a completely honest candidate and then ruin him in the public eye. So set up an ideal and yeah. then destroy him. And then yeah. the people would be so crushed that when, he, when the beaver man invades the U.S. with beavers, he will be welcomed <laughs> as heroes. My country would be redeemed. Our paranoia turned upside down. Canada could annex the United States. <laughs> I, I like the idea that his master plan is for Canada to take over the territory of America. With, with beavers. beavers. Yeah. yeah. By somehow making them elect a duck president. <laughs> and one thing but... I love is right now, I think it's also playing with the, the format like we were talking about before. Because the second, the page after he gives this speech about all his motives... He falls off the tightrope and dies. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the Mountie shows up 
and um, they're like, wow, we won. And the end of the story. Yeah, like yep. it's they introduce him. It's like, here's his origin and his motivation. And then he just like just falls off because he's an idiot. Yeah. I can't see how it's related to like all their comics in that this is in really insane, elaborate, almost like uh, non sequitur plan that ties into what the main villain's trying to do. And it's like, like ha, there's it has to be a simpler way for you to accomplish your Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this this is a guy in a beaver mech who wants yeah. to conquer America with beavers. So yeah, I thought even like like the whole the whole all the names in this thing were so fucking dumb too, which I guess is part of it. Yeah, they give people yeah. these really really dramatic names, and then the characters don't matter. They're on they're yeah. in the book for five pages. Yeah, like that, that suffering guy. Like I, I keep forgetting his name because it's so elaborate. But like he's around, but you never understand what the point he, he's doing there. Yeah. Fuck, fucking Drudge Gulches. Dreyfus Gulch. So yeah. what the, the fucking crying of Lot 49 it was filled with all these characters that had crazy names that they allude to having meaning and none of them do. Yeah. It's just like the whole point is like it's just that's not there's no meaning to their names. Yeah. So I guess that's Howard the Duck ran for president. Okay, so recap page. Phil, do you still think this is worse than Nemesis and Antonis? No. Uh no. Um, do you oh, thank God. Like, if, if, I think I would have to quit the podcast if he's I, I think it was pretty unenjoyable to read still. I don't know. It's hard for me to say now. Do you regret reading it? I don't regret reading yes! it. Yes! I feel like Sly's on such a like a thin precipice. Where he's <laughs> wanting to quit so much if we say the wrong thing. He's on the, yeah, he's on, he's on the precipice of madness. You better like Archie and zombies. Sly, Sly's a Howard the Duck villain. There has to be an easier way to do this plot. <laughs> but it's like, if there's some opinions like either I'm so wrong or you're so wrong. And I don't know if there's any way we can. We can't both live together. Yeah, Yeah. either I'm dumb or this book's dumb. And I choose to believe the book's dumb. You think it's dumb? So Daryl's the only one who regrets reading it? I still think it's dumb. I think Ryan made some good points about it, and I would put it over some, like, the really, the schlock we've read, but I'm still like, this is on the lower tier of stuff that we've read. So you regret it, Daryl? Probably. Okay. Okay, Uh, that's, that's fair. Like I said in the beginning, like this is not the type of stuff I gravitate towards. Um, Another good way to put the do you regret reading it is sort of like when you think about something like maybe even like the boys. It's like, would you want to read more? Or would you? Or would you recommend this? With Howard the Duck, I I wouldn't want to read more of this, and nor would I recommend it to anyone that isn't into comics already. I think that's very fair. I, I as much as I love it, I would not give this to someone who hasn't read a bunch of comics or has a podcast about comic books that I'm making them read it for. Yeah, if you want to read a, <laughs> a filler, a, a more a lighthearted, less uh, oh, right. is this recommendations now, Sly? Okay, never mind then. <laughs> I was going to recommend it casually because I have a different recommendation. Okay, but... then go oh, ahead. So you're trying, to, you're trying to cheat and use two. Go yeah. ahead. No, but go ahead. Make my shelf. More if, if you want to see how the duck done in like a, just a modern like funny way, go read the new one by Chip Zdarsky. I have, I have a hard time believing uh, you and you, uh, Daryl and Phil, were like it because I'm not like I said, I'm not a huge comedy guy. It's one of the funniest books I've I've ever read. It's really it's, it's much more of a humor book, yeah. and it's really great. Mm. Yeah, uh, and we did recommend it previously on the Howard the Duck episode, so we'll let it slide this time, Sly. Yeah, so fuck you. So okay, instead of letters, I have a public service announcement. So let me pull my chair around and pull my hat around and let's wrap America. Pull my hat around. Yeah. All right, what's up? So, yo, 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 my name is Sly. I am a guy who knows what's fly. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun here tonight. But can you guys please fucking vote on Tuesday? Because it's election yeah. day on Tuesday and it would be great if you could vote. 
Yeah, do yeah. your civ- civic duty. And you yeah. have to actually go to the place. There's no, there's lots of fake <laughs> memes to... of online polling, of tweeting with hashtags. That's not how it works, you fucking idiot. Yeah, don't write down hashtag voting. That's, that's not how get votes, guys. You gotta go to the place. Are, are, we, are we transitioning into intimidation? <laughs> yeah. You moron. Well, you know yeah. Voter, voter intimidation. Forcing, intimidating people to vote. <laughs> if you don't vote, I am gonna make you read every issue of How to the Duck for the rest of your life, listener. No, you're gonna have to read the unfunnies. Yes. Oh, I don't know if I'd wish that upon anyone. Look, a lot of people also have this this thing where they say, I'll probably vote. Um, and then that day shows up and then they have to go to work. And then by the time they're out of work, they're like, I want to go get food. And then they just don't go. Make a plan in advance. I know I'm sounding like dad, but make a plan in advance. Like, I'm going to vote like before work. Most places open pretty early. We make political jokes from time to time, but we don't consider ourselves a political show. We make political jokes, but you know it's not a joke? Real politics. Yeah. <laughs> Just look up where the candidates stand on their issues. If you somehow don't know by now, you're, I don't know what America you're fucking living in. Because you can't escape it. But if you really don't know, you know, there's, there's campaigns set up, buses that will take you to your polling place if it's far away. There are resources for you to vote in your area. If it's difficult for you, if you, like, have a disability and can't go there yourself, there are ways to do it. Please, please go vote. We do this show for free, and I never ask you for anything except five-star reviews on iTunes. But <laughs> that's, all, that's the other way of voting. Only voting. Vote for us and vote for your candidate. Yes. Also, I think your employer has to give you, like, an hour. Uh... Yes. They legally have to give you an hour break to go vote. Yeah. To a vote. So if, if for some reason there's no time in your day to squeeze in half an hour. Every state has different laws, but polls are open for a long fucking time. It's not yeah. like you have a two-hour window. So please, please go vote. And that's what I'm telling you instead yeah. of letters. Oh, I have a good letter. Uh, these divisive issues, should I vote? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, don't. Fuck. <laughs> if you have to ask, don't. No, it, it depends for who... Whom? Well, no, anyway. I would rather have somebody make an informed choice against my candidate of choice than stay home. I agree. Now, I, I agree. would rather them stay home than make an uninformed choice based on total bullshit. But so <laughs> yeah. just do a little bit of research. It's very easy to research where candidates stand on things. Yeah. Yep. So thank you, America. Okay, so now uh, our our huge audience is going to change. <laughs> they're gonna, they're going to say the next day like, "Oh my god, record turnouts." <laughs> It must, it must be this podcast. Everyone credits this. They're going to have exit polls. Like, what made you vote? Divisive issues. And if you have a Howard the Duck Get Down America pin, you can't wear campaign event. You can't wear campaign merch to vote. It's oh, yeah, that's actually important. You you will be turned away if you're wearing a, like, Trump or Hillary or, or Johnson or Stein shirt. You have to. Or Evan McMullen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're in one of those 22 states. Right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, vote. And uh, I guess that's that's it. Recommendations. Who wants to go first? Me. I never go first. Okay, go cool. oh. I am going to recommend not a comic book. <gasps> yeah, I'm saving my political comic book recommendation for next week. Uh, I am going to recommend a movie called The Jerk starring Steve Martin. Which oh, is, that's a fun movie. It's a fun movie that is very much in the vein of Howard the Duck of like, this is a really stupid thing that happens because it's a stupid thing. Like he has an assassin that wants to kill him because he picked his name out of a phone book. And <laughs> it's like the same kind of absurdist, non sequitur story, but it's great. And it's more accessible than Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so uh, 
my pick is also something absurdist, although it's more grotesque and also stars Mounties. Uh, <laughs> what a no. specific thing! It's Ren and Snippy. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a fun show. That yeah. that's like I think that's a good way of doing something that's just like so nonsensical and nothing matters. I could see the creators of Ren and Stimpy taking some Steve Gerber inspiration. Personally. I I can't un- unconfirm it. <laughs> I mean Ren and Stimpy's way grosser and like way more absurd. So uh, my recommendation, um, my second one, haha, got you both. Uh, <laughs> I'm recommending two, fucker. Yeah. So deal with it. Wait, got you both. Who isn't included in this? Got you, uh, Daryl, because he's not really a member. He's a guest. <laughs> that's true. He, we did. We did just kidnap him. In that Maybe role. that's why I hate everything we read. <laughs> and like, if you're reading it in the, in the dark basement with like shitty food and all this shit, I'm doing this as like a political move. So when I become a member, then I'll start raving all your terrible choices. <laughs> So my recommendation is a comic that came out recently called Prez. Uh, Fuck, that was my next week recommendation. Next week recommendation? Okay, I guess I recommend Howard the Duck. No, you you could do it. No, no, I recommend Howard the Duck. Okay, I'll see you for next week. No, yo, you do it, Sly. No, no, no. I I don't want to take your vote away. (laughs) Yeah, please go vote. But now now it's already already out there. Okay, okay, so I recommend Prez. Uh, Prez is a comic Ryan recommended to me and I stole from him. I bought him the book for his birthday. Yeah, and... uh, The uh, new one, the new 52 one. And it's, it's not a book I'll consider in the same vein as How to Duck. It's very political. And also, if you take it too seriously, you're going to be like, what the fuck? But like, if it's, it's meant to be absurd and silly. Because the premise is, uh, basically, it's a presidential election. And a teenage it girl... It is literally this. Yes. It's a teenage girl... <laughs> fuck. It's a teenage girl... Um, uh, she's like a viral sensation. Because like, uh, she, she was caught on YouTube... Doing something stupid, and basically everyone remembers her as like a hot dog girl. I forget what it was, but like as basically as that, that meme girl. So she's like the hot meme of the week. Like yeah. she's the Ken Bone. And basically, every, everyone doesn't give a shit about the actual candidates. So they, as a joke, as a fill-in joke, they all uh, put in her meme girl as the as a, a fill-in candidate. And basically, through a bunch of events, she becomes the president of the United States. She wins Ohio. Yeah. Basically, like, once she wins Ohio, then the the candidates start weighing their votes against her and stuff like that. It's, but it's like. It's very absurd. It's still absurd what happens, and the stuff that happens is absurd. It's it's a very silly book, but it's very fun. Like if you want to see a fun uh, political book, I really recommend it. And I think the political satire is really strong in it, personally. The political satire is strong in this one. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Phil? Um, I, remember, I when coming into the show, I had no recommendations, and then when you mentioned that the the way to look at this, I was like, oh, I could actually recommend some kind of like absurdist literature or postmodern. But there's so many good ones. I think I'm actually. I want to recommend uh, the trial by Franz Kafka. Okay, um, it's. I'm just thinking of this like absurd. Like it's an abs- it's a super absurd. If you've read any Kafka, you know like there, there's yeah. a reason people people say things are Kafka esque because he has such an absurd, unique metamorphosis. Style. Yeah, metamorphosis is what most people have probably read, and it's a novel. Uh, the trial is a novel about a guy on trial for the whole book, <laughs> but. It's kind of hard to explain without I say this for every recommendation, but um, <laughs> it's got it's kind of hard to explain without having read it because it's it is absurd and the whole book is about how absurd the whole legal system is. <laughs> I think we reached our absurd quota. Yeah, <laughs> all of us described our own things as absurd. It's crazy. <laughs> it's silly. Uh, it's, it's wacky. It's very bizarre. And uh, you know what? Fuck you. I'm gonna recommend another Catch Twenty Two. Fuck. He snuck it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. 
Oh, now we got two bullshit recommendations. Yeah, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Recommendation party. Eat shit. High five. Also, yeah. I, I <laughs> forgot to, in the previous segment, recommend uh, the Comrade Radio Network. Surely Not Shirley recently came back from a hiatus. They get drunk and give advice, and it's great, and the new episode's great, so listen to it. You see, Brian Bri gets a free recommendation every episode, too, because he always recommends Comrade Radio stuff, so it's really fair. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. That's fair. It's fair. But it's yeah, fair. check out all the shows on the network at ComradeRadio.com. So... Thank you guys so much for listening. We've been Divisive Issues. I'm a giant gingerbread man. Uh, <laughs> I love how someone always just does it. Uh, I'm Pierre Dentifree, Canada's <laughs> only super patriot. I am Le Beaver. And I've been Gulch Dreyfus. <laughs> Dreyfus Gulch. Dre No. <laughs> I had it right the first Dreyfus time. Gulch. Wait, wait, what's his name? Dreyfus Gulch. I have, like, some dyslexia when it comes to his name for some reason. <laughs> Whoever you are, get down, America, and stay in continuity. Independent Podcasting Network.